This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Pastor and leader's life is to be filled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that his whole being would radiate the love of Christ and Christ in him. Everybody said, wow, there's something about this person because of the Spirit of God. Again, it's applicable for all of us. People just say, hey, there's something different about my co-worker. Who's that co-worker? His name is Lance. He plays guitar in the world, but there's something different about him. And that's, what, that's the way it ought to be. Do people recognize there's something different about you since you became a believer? Can they detect the love of God flowing out of you? Pastor Eddie continues to share about the ministry calling of each of us in Paul's letter to Timothy today. Paul encouraged Timothy as he served the church, but his words are applicable to us in our day and in our own personal walks with Jesus. As you listen today, be encouraged by Paul's words. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, as he continues his message, Take Heed to Your Ministry. Now, Paul is writing this leaves again, is applicable for us. We all must set the example to one another and also as an example to the world and how a Christian ought to live, and it's so important. There are so many people who have been discouraged from coming to church or going to church or to even be a part of anything that is Christ because of the bad examples Christians set. And it's at home. That's at home, too. We forget, and we must set the example. But Paul is speaking to leaders, and he writes to uh, Timothy, he says, be an example to the believers, number one, in word. Number one, in word. Uh, The first example he is to give the word, and it it, it means in conversation. It it could mean also the word of God, but it also means in conversation. The word logos, it has, the word word in the Greek has many meanings, but it could also apply in in word, but we see in in context, Paul is going to address that later. But it also could refer to the word. It, oh, I, I think it's best to always uh, depend on the word as the ultimate source and how we're to set an example. But here Paul is saying in conversation, in conversation, in word. Uh, we are to set an example in how we speak and the way we speak, careful with the words we use. You know, if a word is considered a curse word in the world, so too we must consider it should be better. We must be above that. Our conversation, you know, shouldn't be, oh, well, everybody uses that word. That's okay. If everybody, you know, commits sin, and like your mom always say, if, 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 if your friends jump off the roof, you're going to jump off the roof, right? Why, as Christians, we, we ought we to speak. Expressions that we use properly. shouldn't even be cut short and try to substitute a word because, oh, yeah, you know what you mean in the heart. Even though you disguised it with another word, <laughs> just to probably be politically correct and not offend anybody, but it's still there. It's in the heart. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it let your speech 
always be with grace seasoned with salt. It should be flavorful. That when people listen, they say, well, you know what you said, you know, tastes good. I want more of that. Not to discourage them. Our speech should be clean. It should edify and it should build up others. It should edify, build up others. So in word, it should be a, a reflection. We, we're the mouthpiece of God. How are people going to hear of the gospel by our words? And it's the same mouth we use to glorify God and praise God. But yet we use it outside of the church and around different circles. And we're using words that we shouldn't and talking the way we shouldn't. So it should be in word. Now also, again, it could be referring to teaching of the word. We must study, teach, in the, teach the word of God. The second example is in conduct. So in word and in conduct. And, you know, a pastor, a leader, is to be an example in conduct and behavior. And this refers to his entire demeanor, everything about him, in conduct, how he acts, how he behaves. Peter wrote in his first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he said, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And saints, listen, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You want to know how Christ responded to everyday life? You want to know what he said, how he walked, and how he ministered to people, how he loved people, and how he shared his life with people? You have four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read them. So we could be more Christ-like. So we'll study and follow Christ's example and how we ought to live. The third example is in love. Speaking of the love of God, man does not know love. Man abuses love. Love is used for everything. I love, you know, biscuits. I love, you know, my dog. I love my wife. You love for everything. But not everything you love is good for you. Like the biscuits, depending what you're eating with, you know. But God, you see, God is known for his love, for God is love. He's known for his love, for he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Christ knows what's love because he willingly went to the cross because of love. And we're talking about a love, an agape love, an unconditional love. And this, so we, he's to set an example in love. And of course, that's for the brethren. That's for the brothers and sisters in Christ, how we are to love one another. Love keeps no record, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is kind. Love is patient. Now, Obviously, now we know that God is love, and he displayed that by sending his son. Jesus displayed it by being faithful and dying on the cross for us. But Jesus also led by example while he was here during his earthly ministry. And he writes in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as, I will underline that word as, I have loved you, and how much Christ loved us unto death on the cross. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how the world would know. So Paul is, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, in word, okay, it, you know, in conduct and in love, you know, this, how they would know that you were called. Yeah, you're young, but if you set these examples, they're going to realize, you know what? Timothy is young, and I, I spoke about him earlier, but you know what? He's been setting a good example. 
in word, in conduct, and in love. He really loves the people. He really is doing his ministry. He's, wow, what a good shepherd. He, you can tell he loves his calling. He loves the Lord and he loves the people. In fact, we know that's the greatest commandment. The, the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus, you know, and they had one of the lawyers of the Pharisees. And out of, out of 613 commandments, they were asked Jesus, Jesus, out of all the commandments, they thought they were going to trap him. Which is the greatest, the 613 commandments. Which is the greatest? And he, Jesus says, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And strength. That's the first. And the second is just like it because it deals with love. Love your neighbor as yourself. They contrary every detail of the law, 613 commandments. Which one do I follow? Which one I've broken today? Which one I'm going to break tomorrow? No matter how hard I try, I break these commandments all the time. I sin against God. But these two commandments, if you focus on love, you love God, it's easy. You don't have to worry about the 613. If you love your neighbor, you don't have to worry about the 613. If you look at the Ten Commandments, and we, we, we study this many times, the, the first four has to deal with God. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Keep the Sabbath. Thou shalt not uh, create an image. Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. If you love God, you won't do any of the three. You don't have to worry about going through all the commandments. If you love God, you won't break those commandments. And then the other is for, for fellow man. If you love your neighbor, you won't lie to him, steal, cheat, you know. So if you love God as a vertical, his image of the cross, vertically, we love in God. We don't have to worry about all those commandments because I love him. And, and then horizontally, I, I love my fellow man. I don't have to worry about the other six or the 603, right? So think about that. It's love. So set this example, Timothy. You're in the church. You know, I had one person say, I don't know why they made me an assistant pastor. I don't like people. I really heard that. And I said, wow. <laughs> I mean, some people love titles. They don't care about people. They love titles. Ultimately, love, Jesus set that example. Love is when you lay down your life for your friend. And that's what Jesus said. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. This verse just kind of sums up the essence of the ministry of a pastor, a leader, self-sacrificial love. And the leader loves in such a way that he gives his time, his energy, his devote his whole life to the people of God. But again, this is not only for leaders and pastors. This should be for all of us. Jesus, when he said, love one another as I love do, he didn't say, hey, if you're going to be a leader, I need you. No, he said, all of us, we all to love one another as Christ loved us. And we devote ourselves to one another. We encourage one another. And we learn that from Jesus, the great shepherd. And so a pastor or a leader who wants to be in position, these are the commandments. And that's aside from the qualification and requirements, this is to love. Now, the fourth example in this commandment is in spirit. Okay, in word and conduct and love and in spirit. And that's the attitude and the power of the, of the spirit of God. In other words, a pastor, a leader's life is to be filled by the Holy Spirit in such a way that his whole being would radiate the love of Christ and Christ in him. Everybody said, wow, there's something about this person because of the Spirit of God. Again, it's applicable for all of us.
People just say, hey, there's something different about my coworker. Who's that coworker? His name is Lance. He plays guitar in the world, but there's something different about him. And that's, what, that's the way it ought to be. You're not just like everyone else. You're different. You're set apart. And it's to be in spirit. So pastors to be, you know, one that's in spirit. This is the one thing, you know, this is the one thing the world does not have. You know, the world that knows about Christ and God, they know the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Right now, they're just flesh and soul. Just flesh and soul. They're dead men walking. They're dead. Spiritually. See, but when we come to Christ, we have flesh, soul, and spirit, you see. And that's what separates it. We have that, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Spirit of God is in us and works through us to do the work of God. And that's important. So he is to be in spirit. And fifth, he's to be in faith. He set an example in faith, Timothy, but he's not referring to a saving faith or it's faith unto salvation because Timothy is already saved. He's actually leading right now. But it's referring to a faith that's trusting in God. You know, I think one of the saddest thing in the church, the saddest thing to see in the Christian, it's not so much that they mess up all the time. The saddest thing is when a Christian does not have faith in, 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 in the sense of trusting God in every aspect of your life. I think that's the saddest thing. Not having faith that God will provide your needs, heal you, will bless your home. You know, that's the saddest thing about a Christian. It's kind of weird when you think about it because you came to Christ by faith. But now that you're in Christ, you don't use faith. Now that's a faith unto salvation. But what about the faith in living and trusting in God? How many times we worry? Worry is a sign that you have no faith. Could be concerned is one thing, don't get me wrong. But sometimes people, they'll say, oh, it's concerned. No, <laughs> it seems that you worry. Do you really trust in God? Do you really trust in the Lord? And so one who is born again, obviously was saved by faith, but ought to live in faith. How does one set the example of faith? Faith and trusting in God. Timothy, you need to show this, that you trust in the Lord. You know, there are many great godly men and women of faith throughout history. And I love the one with George Mueller. I recommend you get his book. He was a man of prayer. True story. He, he had an orphanage. And in the orphanage, sometimes it was so bad. There were so many kids, but not enough money to, to, to pay for food. The lady who helped George Mueller with the children in the orphanage, she said, George, we don't have food for tonight's dinner. He tells her, gather the kids at the table to pray. I'm kind of paraphrasing the story, but she's saying, you know, I don't know if you got what I was saying. We have no food. Have the kids sit on the table. Let's pray. As they were sitting on the table and they were praying, a knock comes on the door. I said, excuse me, um, I understand this is an orphanage, but the wheel on my delivery truck for milk just broke. It's going to get spoiled. Do you want milk? Sure, bring in the milk. A few minutes later, another knock. 
excuse me, I have plenty of bread. If I save it, it's going to go away. (laughs) Bring the bread. And you see, that's what God does. But you see, you never experience that. But most of the time, we always, it's good that we, we, we glorify God when we see God does something incredible, miraculous, answering prayer as we do on Wednesday nights. But many times we can't, we don't allow God to do it in our lives because we don't have faith. Okay, it's great. He had faith. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. How come God doesn't do anything? Well, because are you praying? Do you trust in the Lord? We need to send example and faith. And here, this is what Paul's telling. You know, you need to have faith. Be a leader. Send an example for those older people there. Show them that you, you know, you be faithful. You be faithful. Set an example. And set an example in faith. Not only trusting in the Lord, but it could also carry the idea, the second meaning for this in faith could be to be faithful in his ministry as well. Which we are called to be faithful. Whether you're a leader or pastor or whether you're just serving in a children's ministry or, in, in, or you're cleaning up the church, it's being faithful. God sees all that. The sixth example, he's to give impurity. Impurity. Now, purity in the Greek is the Greek word hagenia. Hagenia, you can almost speak it in English, is hygiene. And it means clean, moral purity. But it also comes from the root word where we get the word agios, holiness, set apart. And it all comes together because we are to be separated, holy unto God. The Lord said, be holy for I am holy, means set apart, okay, from the world, from the things of the world. But to be, to be pure in purity. So Timothy, passionately, to set the example in this area of being pure, uh, sexual matters in thought or even in action. And to be pure, we represent God. Now, Paul, in verse 12, gave this command, and, and in this command is to give an example, and, and the examples in the areas of in the word, conduct, and love, and spirit, faith, and purity. Now he gives him the third command in verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. He says, till I come, here it is, give attention. In other words, give heed. Give heed, to, uh, Timothy. Give attention to what, Paul? Let's read on. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. A good minister, a good pastor, a leader, uh, a teacher gives full attention, focus on these three areas. Number one, reading, exhortation, and doctrine. The reading of scripture, exhortation of scripture, and doctrine, the, the doctrine that's in scripture. Number one, we are to read it. You know, throughout church history, even during the time when Paul is writing, even before Paul in the synagogue, there was something that's considered public reading. They would read publicly. They would open up a passage in scripture. If you remember the time when Jesus went into synagogue and they had all these scrolls and, and the way it was set up, they didn't read in order. It was set up that they would pull out any kind of scroll. Randomly, Jesus pulled out a scroll and he says, the Lord has called me to preach good news to the poor. And, then he, and after Jesus read it, this is being fulfilled before your eyes. I'm sorry I kind of botched that up, but it's not in my notes. But Isaiah, he's fulfilling a prophecy that he came to preach good news to the Lord. The, Holy, the, 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 the Spirit of God is upon me. That's what it is, to preach good news to the poor. And it's fulfilling a messianic prophecy. And he just randomly took, 
I mean, Jesus knows what he's doing. But they would do that in the synagogue. They would read. Even when Paul, the apostle, remember Paul, if you study his life, his ministry, his missionary journey, first, second, third, and some consider a fourth one, but he would always go to a synagogue first. And the way the synagogue would operate is that they would read a passage, a scroll, take a scroll and just read a passage, and then they would share and they would speak. So public reading was important, and that's important for us. As a matter of fact, when Paul went to visit the synagogue in Antioch, Pasada, in Acts chapter 13, verse 15, it says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, this they were reading, Paul sitting inside the sanctuary, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. In other words, hey, we have special guests here. And they're pointing to Paul and all that accompanied Paul after they read. So it was a practice that they would read. And so they asked Paul to share something after they read. They read exhortation. It should still be carried on today. But saints, that is what we do every day. What do we do before we go verse by verse study? We read the passage, right? That is exactly why I read the passage to the reading and then exhortation. That's what we do. We study God's word verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Some people say book by book. The other way, I say it backwards because I'm a backward guy. But book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We study the word through observation, interpretation, application. How do I know how to apply? Well, first, let's, let's observe the text. Let's read, let's, let's read what's there. Because quite often people put things in there that's not there. Or they exclude what's there. So we read the text, observation and interpretation. Now we interpret some of these things. We look at culture. We look at cross-references. We look at Hebrew and Greek uh, words so we could get a full understanding. So we did the observation. We did the interpretation. Now, what do I do with this ancient book? How do I apply that to my life today? So the reading and then the exhortation. And that's to encourage, to obey, and follow the scripture. And thirdly, in doctrine, teaching, instructing the word of God. Good, biblical, uh, solid doctrine that's in the word. That's why Paul's been saying this from the very beginning. There are false teachers giving you all kinds of doctrines of demons, you remember? Need to be careful. Now we get to this. Those were the fourth, fifth, and sixth command. Here's the seventh command in, in verse 14. He goes on to say, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. And before we get to gifts, you know, people are so caught up. Oh, me, 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 Lord, I want to be blessed. What's my blessing? What's my gift, Lord? Me, 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 me. The reality is that every believer in Jesus Christ, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are born again, you are Christian, you have been given a gift. The book of 1 Timothy is encouraging and inspiring. From one well-seasoned missionary to another, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, spurring a younger pastor on to great things. Isn't it great to live life in community with others so that you can mutually encourage others you're walking alongside? Even though Paul and Timothy weren't in the same area very often, these letters kept them united in the cause of Christ. We hope that you have this type of uniting with other believers. If you don't, we'd like you to know how to connect with us here. Go to our website at runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church that supports this ministry. 
At Calvary Chapel of Milford, we'd love to meet you this weekend and join with you in being part of a church family. Worshiping God and studying His Word together is something that should be done in community. To find out more, once again, our website is runningtheraceradio.com. We pray that Pastor Eddie's message on running the race has been helpful for you today. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad you're one of our listeners. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can find it at runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, feel free to listen to other messages from this series or download them to take with you on the go. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. That's all we have for today. But join us again for more as Pastor Eddie teaches from 1 Timothy on running the race.